As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Hey friend, we have something special just for you. We are so excited to offer a free live birth training. That's right. We will both be there and we want to see you there too. So head to myessentialbirth.com slash register and we'll see you in the training. All right, let's talk about the one thing, one thing that's going to make all the difference (laughs) in your birth, Stephanie. Okay, so Courtney's giving me a hard time for this because I originally said, and what I say to everybody is like, the one thing that's going to make all the difference is your provider. Duh, right? You have got to have somebody on your team that is supportive of what you're wanting to do all along the way to be able to get the birth that you want. But I kind of disagreed. A lot, maybe. (laughs) I disagreed a lot that I, while I do think your provider is hugely influential, I actually don't think that is the one thing that's going to make a huge difference in your birth. And Courtney won the argument. I did. So you guys will see what our one thing's going to be. But here's why this is important. In the United States alone, and we might have listeners tuning in from all over the place, and but in the United States alone, one third of women are going to find themselves in a cesarean birth. And so that number isn't what it's supposed to be. Really, that number should be closer to 10%, dare I say 5%. Right. That's what that number should be. And so there's something going on. There's something not quite right with birth in the United States. And that's concerning. And that's why we want to talk to women and get this out there. What is one thing you can do that will make have the biggest impact on your birth. Okay, so spoiler alert, why don't you just say it, and then we'll get into why. It's preparation. (laughs) What? The reason that we created a birth course? Hey, hey. (laughs) Okay, so this is important because um, I come from the place where I was hoping that things were going to go really well with my first, and um, I took the hospital classes, but I did not do any very serious preparation in in the ways of preparing my body and my mind um, to be able to go through 
what birth was going to be. And that, my very first birth ended as a cesarean birth. So Interesting. I, yes, Part of that I was one of that, one of the statistics. Yes. Kind of a mess. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about that. So you took the hospital classes, yeah. which I, I'm guessing in your mind, you thought that was sufficient preparation. And we've already had a whole episode dedicated to why your hospital birth <laughs> class probably sucks. Yes. Okay, so the thing about, no, I actually didn't feel prepared. I actually felt cheated, which I was really upset about the classes that I took. So what happened was um, later in my pregnancy, I was reading birth stories or trying to find them to read online, which there's a ton more now than there were. And it wasn't a long time ago, but like 10 years ago, there's a ton more now than there were. And so I had found this one and it was at the beginning of a book. And, and the book was actually, um, it went along with the course that you and I used to teach. And um, there was a story and it was a birth story and um, it was beautiful. And I was at work and I just started bawling, of course, you know, because I'm emotional and pregnant and I loved it. And I thought that's the kind of birth I want to have. And so I tried to research more about that and found a teacher that taught that course. Um, but when I contacted her, because I was very late in my pregnancy, I was probably like between 34 and 36 weeks and it was a 12 week course. Um, you know, we had a lady that said, yeah, I can kind of take you on, but it would, we'd have to do weekends and it'd have to be for all these hours and I'd have to charge you extra and just all this, you know, we were a young married couple and my husband worked weekends and not much has changed that way. But, um, anyways, (laughs) I, I was like, well, I can't, I can't do that. So I'll just, you know, I'll be really excited about the birth. I'll kind of look over this book that I bought and hopefully things will turn out okay. Um, what I didn't do, and this is where I get into the part about preparation does go right along with your provider because what you learn about preparing, um, what you learn in a good birth course is what you really want your birth to look like. And part of that goes along with who your provider is going to be. So I, which is why Courtney went out on preparation. Because choosing your provider is part of that preparation. Because how would you know? You know, how would you know what you need to know from your provider to get the birth that you want if you don't know what you want in the first place? So my my provider that I had chosen wouldn't even have the conversation about um, how I wanted to give birth until 36 weeks, which I didn't know was a red flag. Um, But by the time we had that conversation, he said things to me like, well, women with size five and a half shoe and less typically have a cesarean. Is right? <laughs> Where's the study to back that one up? I don't know. But my grandmother, I can tell you my grandmother who was 4'10 and had a, I'm guaranteeing you she had a smaller foot. I'm like, I, all these people are here. We come from midgetous people. Okay. Midgetous. <laughs> and we like, they all gave birth. Like I just, in that moment, I was like, that's so ridiculous. But what do I do? I'm 36 weeks. I can't change anything. Our body is, is smart. Our biology is smart. Your body's not going to give you a baby that you can't handle right. birthing. Yeah. That, yes, exactly. So anyways, I had some red flags. I, you know, the provider I chose didn't work out well. And what it came down to was I, um, I kept waking up in the middle of the night and feeling this little trickle. And I was like, am I peeing myself or, you know, whatever. And I had gotten up like six times that night, which my normal was maybe two or three. And so it was actually my husband who leaned over and touched my stomach and was like, you know, are the, are you feeling any, like, is your stomach getting hard when this is happening? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Oh yeah, kind of, you know? And so we thought, oh, well maybe it's my water. And then, um, when we woke up that morning, I lost my mucus plug and I kind of chased him out of the house cause he had just left. And I'm like, well, I'll let you know if anything happens. And then I, you know, I'm like running out of the house with my pants down, like Michael, I lost my mucus plug, you know? <laughs> um, anyways, I'm I was sure so the neighbors excited. Loved oh gosh. I mean, I was like behind the door hiding, oh. but anyways, um, 
I was so excited. And so, of course, like, what do you do? You call the doctor's office and what do they say? Well, come in because that's, that's know, not knowing any happens, better. Yeah. yeah. The only way I even bought myself any time on that was like, I'm not going in until I shave my legs and paint my toenails. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Priorities, people. <laughs> Priorities. Okay. That only bought me a couple hours. I mean, I was pregnant. It took a while. But even then, like, my contractions were like, 10 minutes apart, I could only tell when I was like stopping to feel my stomach. So we go in and then it was just the cascade of intervention. You know, they, my nurse had come to me at some point and she said, you had need... your water broken? Yeah, it was, but it was like the tiniest trickle and I wasn't mm-hmm. in any kind of active labor whatsoever. And, um, so the, yeah, the nurse comes in at one point, you know, she's like, the doctor says you need to have Pitocin. This was a big deal for me. Cause I'm like, could you ask him if he, if I need it? I remember using that word very specifically. Like, is it recommended? Right. Or is, is it, it something like, I need? And I didn't have to have. Exactly. And I didn't know much about Pitocin at the time. I just knew that I wanted to let my body do what, what I wanted it to do, what it should be doing. So Pitocin, just in case you're not aware, it's a medication um, that mimics the body's natural oxytocin. It's oxytocin, which is a hormone in your body that creates those contractions. It also creates those love feelings. It's what allows you to orgasm. And so I don't know why I added that one in there, but just so you know, it does a lot of things more than just contractions. But um, we they created a synthetic version called Pitocin, and it it's administered to a lot of women when they think that your birth isn't going according to their plan. Right. When things need to speed up or as we say, augment or as, the, as they say, augment. Yeah. Create um, stronger contractions. contractions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so she came back, she said, yes, he said need. So they put me on Pitocin and um, I didn't know until many hours later, you know, I was having some kind of strong contractions. They were uncomfortable. My baby was posterior, although everybody told me that they weren't. We only knew after they were, he was born by cesarean, so I was having massive back labor. Um, and what happened, though, is that Pitocin was it was causing heart issues with my baby. My baby wasn't handling it well. And so they're monitoring, they're looking at baby. And we got into this game of, well, they can't turn the Pitocin up high enough because its heart rate kept dropping. So the contractions weren't strong enough to dilate my cervix. And what happened moving forward is I'd been in labor for 30 something hours. I was exhausted by this point. They weren't letting me eat or drink. These are all, you know, these cascades of nonsense that happens. And so, of course, we're like, okay, I get to a point where I'm desperate. And I'm like, yes, please, I'd like the epidural. And so we get the epidural, but it's the same problem. You know, mm-hmm. baby's not handling Pitocin. And so they do, they break my water the rest of the so way. So did the baby not tolerate the epidural medications very well either? Still no, more I, heart rate fluctuations? I don't or? know enough. I, I, I wasn't paying attention enough to be able to say mm-hmm. that was the case or not. But as I understood it, it was the Pitocin. He seemed to do fine with the epidural, but they did come in and manually break the rest of my water. So when I talk about a trickle, like he came in and did the little, they use like, it's a crochet hook looking thing <laughs> and they stick it in there and they kind of like grab the bag and turn it and manually pull. And so this like massive gush of water comes out. So yeah. clearly my water was like intact. It just, it can have a trickle. So, and then they, they wanted to put the, like, there's a catheter that they place between um y- your baby and your your uterus. Um, and it measures the intensity of the contraction. So once they got that in, they were able to see, yeah, we can't, we can't get these contractions up high enough for, for this baby. So after all this, it ended up being, um, you know, a baby in distress and what they considered an emergency cesarean. So So that was after how many hours? Like give us a timeline here. 36 hours of labor. 
and it was nice at the end I will be honest when I got the epidural like I was able to rest a little bit um I took a nap but my baby didn't get a break during any of that and that's you know that's all stuff that I mean sure it seems like that's common sense but I wasn't thinking about I didn't understand so yeah how did you feel after your cesarean birth terrible terrible I felt like and that was me that it and I was not prepared for that situation I think terrible because I knew that it didn't have to be that way I knew that that was caused by all the nonsense that had happened leading up to it so I I felt like I never want this to be my experience again like immediately immediately Mm -hmm. as my baby was born and I'm looking at him I'm like I never want to go through this again and I had I mean I didn't even this was like my own thing this is not everybody's experience but I didn't even want my baby on me I was shaking from the anesthesia I didn't want the baby on me because I felt like I was going to like shake him right off. Luckily, I had an amazing, amazing nurse. The nurses there were all fabulous. And she's like, the babies really like it. And let's just put them on your chest and see if we can get them nuzzling. You know, all those things that are really, really healthy for mom and baby and bonding. And I'm so grateful now that she did it. But I think I was just like stuck in this shock. So yeah, moving forward, I knew I wanted something different. And it's interesting because as we have talked with different moms who follow us on My Essential Birth on Instagram, what we discovered is that I would say about 75% of the women are, we thought we were going to have a ton of first-time moms, and we do, we have a fair amount, but a lot of these women are women who have had prior births that really just left them feeling like like you said, like it didn't have to be this way. Right. I, I know, I feel in my gut, it didn't have to be this way. And a lot of them came out, are now with the attitude like, I know I want something different for my next birth. And I know that there are certain things I can control. You can control how much you prepare for a birth. You might not be able to control your baby's reaction to a particular medication, but through your preparation, you can control what you choose to do and the course of action you choose to pursue and you're aware of what your options are. So what did you do differently then? Because you have three mm-hmm. cute boys. So that was baby boy number one. What did you do differently the second, third time around? I prepared. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let me like go back there and just say like I I take the way that I felt about that first birth as a positive. And I know it might not have sounded like that a few seconds ago where I was like, terrible. it was the worst, it was you know? terrible. but that was my first opportunity, um, at making things better. So that was an opportunity for me to say, I don't want it like this. Now, how am I going to change it? Um, I joke a lot of the times that like, I do things backwards. I, you know, I have the bad thing happen and then I go back and I'm like, okay, I shouldn't have done that. Now I need to make this right. So it was the same with my birth. So moving forward, um, we had actually moved overseas with my second and I knew like this time I was like, nope, we are taking classes. I'm preparing. I actually found those classes that I wanted to take the first time. And I started taking them because we were overseas. There was like Mm -hmm. one teacher and she was an hour and a half away. And like, it was this whole thing, but I started taking them while we were trying to get pregnant. Like we weren't even pregnant, but I was like, she's moving. And I like, I'm taking these classes. So we did, I, we took the classes. We joke like, and I'm totally, I am not talking behind my husband's back because he talks about this in the birth course, but my husband didn't take it seriously, even though I was like totally into it. So there were some, you know, some things that way that could have been better, (laughs) but I became really knowledgeable about birth and my body and, you know, how the whole process works and why it works that way and why that's a positive thing to allow it to continue on its own normally. Um, So all of those things made for a really good birth experience. And that, that baby was born 
in a hospital. Um, I did have an epidural, and but I had a vaginal birth after cesarean. Wait a minute. And what's your shoe size? <laughs> yeah. Five and a half. Thank you very much. And you had yeah, a vaginal I birth? I should about that. I did. Wow. I know. You could have sent that to that doctor. I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got the V back, the vaginal birth after cesarean that you wanted. Yay, with Yay. baby number two. Yeah. Did you, how did you feel after that experience? Were Amazing. You... We went out to dinner the next night. I could walk <laughs> around. Like, I remember seeing one of my girlfriends after she had a birth, like, shortly after I had my first cesarean, my first birth. Um, I came to the hospital to visit her and she like sat up in the bed to talk to me and I was like, Whoa, like, are you going to be okay? You know, cause I couldn't sit up for like a week on my own. And so this time I was like walking around, I was holding my baby. I don't recommend going out to dinner the day after you have your baby. I think I was just <laughs> on cloud nine. I was like, I can do anything, you know? So it was incredible. Now for me, my goal with that second one was I still, I wanted to have an unmedicated birth. Um, so I was a little bummed that, um, this is where I think the preparation for the partner is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a little bummed that I didn't get that, but at the end of the day, it was like, no, it was the best experience. So second baby vaginal, Vaginal but with an an epidural. Okay. So my, and we can talk about this later, but my body actually started having pushing contractions at four centimeters. Oh, wow. So there were some things, baby's positioning and other things that I'd learned later, um, that could have been done that we just weren't aware of during that time. But so third baby, third you baby. wanted an unmedicated vaginal birth, and yes. you knew that your husband, being more supportive, would play a big role in A huge role. And he did. But what happened was we were moving again. So now we were going from overseas. Military family. Yes. Yeah. Going from overseas back to the United States, um, North Dakota. There was one hospital nearby. They didn't care that I had had a vaginal birth after cesarean. I called. We were still overseas. And I called the hospital there knowing what kind of birth I want, right? Because now I'm going to prepare and make sure I get what I want. We call the hospital and they say, well, that's great that you've had a vaginal. We we don't do that here. If you've had a cesarean, you need to plan for another one. And so. Oh, snap. I know. I'm kind of panicking. I'm like, you know, my third was a home birth. That was not my first option. But. When we heard that, I thought, okay, if if you're serious about this, if you don't want to have a cesarean birth again, then you need to plan for this home birth. So I started reaching out to local people in the area. This time I reached out and got a doula, which is something we're going to cover in another podcast episode all about doulas. But I reached out, I, I got a doula and a home birth midwife. And mind you, they're illegal to like, they're underground in North Dakota. You cannot be a certified anything um, and be practicing out of hospitals. So not all states are like that. No, but, but this Dakota one was. One so, and, but that doesn't mean she wasn't educated or highly prepared or crazy knowledgeable, um, and had been doing it for many, many, many years, thousands of births. So, knowing you, you probably were very <laughs> thorough in your choice yeah. and research of a midwife. <laughs> I have a little bit of anxiety that way. Anyway, so yes, we reached out to her, um, and and then I had this birth experience that was just rocked my world. You know, I was able to trust my body. Everybody that was in my birth space was supportive of what I was doing the entire time, even in my head when I'm saying things like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to do this? You know, somebody would say, you're doing great. Keep going. Though you have no idea how much, maybe some of you do, but you know, it plays such a huge role to have emotional support when you're going through it. So, um, there was a point, and this is probably my favorite part of any of my birth stories, um, changed my life forever, but I had been pushing for like four and a half hours. Now, this is not normal, especially with your third baby, but I had some mental blocks. So it's not that my body couldn't do it. It's that I mentally could not get my head around pushing my baby out. 
Okay. So I, which we joke about because four hours earlier, I had my first person contraction and it was on the toilet. And I was like, Michael, I don't want to have my baby on the toilet. (laughs) Okay. Four and a half hours later. So anyways, I'm, you know, I'm in a squatted position. I'm in the birth tub and, um, I, I hit this point where I'm like, I can't do this on my own. I have to, I've got to get this baby out. And I was running through all these things in my head that were like, I don't have anybody here to offer medication or an epidural. Um, if I want any of that help, I'm going to have to travel to a hospital. Does that mean we call an ambulance and I have people in my house? So this is what you're thinking this while is you're all, in labor. Yes, this wow. is going through my head. And I had to physically or like mentally walk myself through all of those things to decide that that's not an option. And what do we do next? So I told my husband, I said, go upstairs and make the bed. I'm going to get out of the water and we're going to do this. And so he comes back downstairs ready to pick me up and when he went upstairs, and this is the first time I had done this, which is so silly because I, I pray, I'm a woman of prayer, but I, for the first time, I'm like, okay, Heavenly Father, I can't do this by myself. I am scared and I need your help. I can't push this baby out by myself. And so my husband comes downstairs and is ready to pick me up out of the water. And um, I just said, no, it's happening. And um, my baby was out in the next two pushes. Just the most amazing experience I've got goosebumps of my now. life. I love it. And um, so it was that experience that f- forced me, launched me, however you want to say, into like, if I can do this, anybody can do this. Absolutely. And how big was that baby? That baby, so he was my biggest one. He's a week late, the little turd. Um, he was supposed to be born on Cinco de Mayo, which would have been much more delicious. So cool. Tacos. I know, right? We do it anyways. Um, but he was seven pounds, uh, 10 or 12 ounces. That's a good size baby. For me, it was. My never, others were like six, nine and six, six. So I'm like five inches taller than you. And mine were all <laughs> half a pound smaller than that or so, six and a half pounds. So yeah. yeah. So if you're tiny, you can do it. <laughs> what I love about that, though, is that I do think, and obviously this is slightly off topic, but there has to be a surrender that happens. And it's usually right around nine centimeters. It sounds like yours happened yep. 10 centimeters. <laughs> but there there comes a point in birth where you do kind of have to surrender to um, a higher power, surrender to, I'm going to allow this to move through me. And I love that. I yeah. love that's what it took for you to be able to push out your baby in two and a half pushes. That's amazing. Yeah. I think that's where like having good support just makes all the difference. I'm sure you've, you've experienced the same kind of surrender and you can do that safely and comfortably if you have the support around you. Absolutely. A, a safe space to do that. That's very true. But we can't have surrender be the number one thing. No. <laughs> that makes the difference in your birth. It's still preparation. Yes. So you got to be prepared to surrender. <laughs> so we had, I have kind of the opposite, um, situation when I was pregnant with my first I you know how the doctor has you fill out an intake form your medical history they're asking what you're allergic to and I happened to mark on there that I was allergic to any medication in the codone family hydrocodone oxycodone I vomit I break out in hives it's really miserable I'm allergic to anything in that family of drugs and I found that out when I got my wisdom teeth out but that's you know another thing (laughs) So anyway, I had this wonderful OB down in Arizona. We were living in Phoenix and um, I, you know, they joke MD midwife in disguise, but (laughs) he just, he was so laid back and relaxed about everything. And he was actually the one who, after multiple other 
OBs had kind of written off all the miscarriages that we had had prior to our first baby, um, he was the one that actually stopped and said, no, you're right. This isn't normal. And let's take a look at what we can do to get your body to be able to hang on to these pregnancies. So I was already totally indebted to him, um, but they had me update my medical history. And so I take it to him and he's looking over everything and he goes, you're allergic to these? And I said, uh-huh. <laughs> he said, are you aware that these are some of the same drugs they use in an epidural? Oh, no. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like, what are you getting at here, buddy? <laughs> and he was like, I, you may want to consider um, taking something that's going to help you prepare for an unmedicated birth. I was so upset. I left that first appointment kind of mad, like, because my opinion up to that point, because when we're young, we think we know everything. Mm -hmm. You know, who are these women that want these home births and unmedicated births? They don't need to be martyrs. Just take advantage of modern medicine, right? And here, my world was just shattered. What? I have to be one of those women now? So I did what I think a lot of us would do in that situation. And you start researching and I started asking around. Um, and I remember that my husband's sisters, his two older, very kind of hippie granola, crunchy sisters, bless them. I love them because I'm totally that mom now, but, um, they had always talked to me about their beautiful unmedicated births that they had had. And so I, I talked to them and, you know, what did you do to prepare? And they pointed me in the direction of some classes. And so I found an instructor and Nate and I, maybe a little bit different from um, you initially, I know that's what you wanted to do to prepare, but we, we were able to take those classes. We did take it very seriously, both of us. Um, it was a huge sacrifice on Nate's part because it was on a Monday night and he did enjoy Monday night football. But mm -hmm. anyway, we we did it. We prepared. We did our homework. We practiced all the labor rehearsals. I did the mental work necessary to do that. And our first birth definitely had some challenges. I mean, I think your first does just because even though we knew what to expect you still don't know exactly what to expect because right. every birth is so different. But he was also a posterior baby. Posterior meaning they're turned in your pelvis in such a direction that you're going to have, you're going to feel all your contractions in your back. And a lot of times it can lead to a very long, drawn out, sometimes painful um, labor pattern. And that was us. And what this class hadn't taught us was what to do to resolve those things. But that's where education after the fact comes in. So anyway, we we had this birth. We worked through it. Um, it was still pretty quick. I think from the time of first contraction to little man being born was maybe seven hours, six, seven hours. Uh, I, I know. I so much. Right <laughs> I'm sure you want to punch me <laughs> across the room after you. But anyway, it was a, but we were prepared and it was a beautiful experience. We knew how to work with my body. Um, my husband knew how to support me and it was, it was amazing. And after that, I was a total convert to, to, birth in general, but for me and my body, unmedicated birth. And it was a really powerful um, experience. So tell me more. Tell me a little bit about your following births because you actually have four.
As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Kids. I do. <laughs> I do. I have three other children. So second birth, wonderful. I delivered with that same OB in Arizona. We prepared and tried to get really knowledgeable about what do you do if you have a posterior baby? How can we prevent that next time? Because kind of like you said, you you can take something that wasn't so great and you can let that be the starting off point to, I now know this and I'm going to do better for next oh, time. Yeah. But fortunately, we didn't have that because I had done some exercises to help get that baby in a prime position for birth and not posterior. And that's part of what we share in our free exercise guide, the three exercises you should do now for an easier pregnancy and birth, that's going to help make sure that your baby is in the most optimal position for birth so that you don't end up with a posterior back labor baby. So if you haven't already done that, um, go to myessentialbirth.com and you can download that free cheat sheet there. But, you know, that was kind of we still practiced. We still did the labor rehearsals. We still worked together. Maybe we slacked a little bit because by mm -hmm. this point, we've got a couple of kids under our belt and time becomes very precious. Mm -hmm. um, our third baby, we had moved out of state. And kind of like you, we were sort of forced into a situation where a hospital birth wasn't going to be possible. Our insurance at the time, we were self-employed and oh, yeah. it was going to be really expensive. So we opted to get together with some midwives and had a birth center birth. That was my first water birth. Yeah. And I want to let you know, I if you have never labored in water before, it's Stephanie shaking your head. Heaven. It's magical. It. <laughs> I remember telling my husband and my midwife, listen, I don't know why, but I don't want to actually give birth, like push out my baby in the water. The thought of being in that tub with all the other birth goodness that you're bringing back out. an episode of the office right now right. To my <laughs> i just didn't want to be sitting in a tub with that right trying to cuddle my oh, baby yeah, the afterbirth floats <laughs> <laughs> so anyway they were like yeah no problem sure but when i hit right around seven centimeters i got in the tub and it felt so 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 good it really is nature's epidural mm. that when i was to 10 centimeters and starting to give indications that I was ready to push. I remember Nate said to me, okay, honey, we need to get you out of this tub and over to the bed because you don't want to give birth in the tub, remember? And I remember looking at him, I am not moving out of here. <laughs> it will be physically impossible to get me out of this water. So our third little guy was born in the water and um I was right I didn't, So you didn't get out. No, I didn't get out. I didn't know that. I never got out. That's he awesome. was he was a water birth. 
But I was right with my instincts. I didn't really like sitting in there with <laughs> stuff floating around me. Okay, so I got lucky when I had my baby in the water. Like, my placenta was delivered 25 minutes later. The water was clear. Really? Yes. My water was clear. Because I was just... like, oh, it's going to – same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just so you guys aren't that. thinking anything crazy. I didn't poop. Like, there wasn't poop floating around. I did. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it just, floating around. You know what they bring? Do we oh want to no. get into this? Maybe we they, don't. <laughs> we can cancel it. That's no, it's I'll, okay. I'll Go, ahead. It later. Go ahead. Um, they they bring like you know like the little like fish nets. <laughs> no, they just way. Yeah. Okay. Have you not? You've you've assisted at a water birth. Yeah, but they never pooped at them. What? Okay. Can we talk about? Okay, I am cutting quick. that out. Hold on. No, Tangent. you're the only pooper. Um, I've talked to a lot of women who have never had a baby before and their fear is that they're going to poop when they're pushing. So Stephanie, you and I have attended who knows how many births Mm -hmm. as doulas. How many have you attended? Like if you had to guess the percentage of births where the women pooped while pushing. Well, now I feel like I shouldn't go into it. I feel like half of them do, half of them do. It's like not even, Yeah, but it has not ever been a big deal. Like, even for a mom who is nervous about it, like, right. when it comes time, it is never a big deal. Okay, so I have I can maybe count on – I've got two. That's all it? The, that's it? Do you castor oil your doula clients? <laughs> no. No, I – yeah, I, I bet – I feel like I've – maybe – I don't know. I do – there are some – plant-based remedies I recommend before birth and I don't know if that has anything to do with it to kind of prep your body but they don't clean you out like that so anyway out of the births I've attended (laughs) maybe 15 to 20 percent ish no it's got to be less than that mine's higher maybe they're just attracted to me because they know I've done it I don't know (laughs) but it's not a big deal it's not a big deal I will say if you're pushing and you're at the hospital those nurses are so fast and discreet I don't even know if their husband's caught that that's what they did yeah so they they you know, nine times out of ten, too, let me just throw this in here, it happens before the actual pushing. Like, mm-hmm. mom will feel like she needs to have a bowel movement during labor, and sometimes that's the baby pushing down there, and then sometimes that's because you're clearing out. So that's totally normal thing. This went a completely different direction than you planned. <laughs> nope. I'm looking at our notes for this podcast. Poop is not on poop's there. Poop's not on there. How did that? We'll come back. Anyways, it's okay. okay. Anyway, um, I was right. I didn't like sitting in the water with the stuff, but I loved cuddling my little baby. And you're so distracted by that that it really wasn't that big of a deal. I just wanted to shower very quickly. Oh, me too. Yes. So anyway, and then baby number four was hands down my smoothest, probably my easiest. And you were back in a hospital for that. And I was back in a hospital for that. that. I want you guys to know that you can have an amazing birth in any setting. I don't ever want you guys to feel like... Like, if you go to a hospital that you're not going to be supported there, you absolutely can. It's kind of like what Stephanie said, that you have to have the right provider. Yeah. Well, and you have to – so you can have a good birth anywhere. You just have to set yourself up for success. Yeah. And that's where the preparation Surround yourself with good in. people. And mm-hmm. that may mean if you have multiple hospital choices in your area, touring each one, asking the right questions. We have a free download for that as well where you can ask the right questions on your hospital tour. Find the right provider. Ask about what the nursing staff is like at that hospital, which I have to say I don't think I've ever met like – almost all the nurses, labor and delivery nurses I've ever worked with personally and while supporting a doula client have always been amazing. So anyway, just it's all part of that preparation. You guys ask the right questions. Um, Surround yourself with people who are going to support you and what you want to have happen for your birth. Um, But you have to put in the preparation. You have to know what to get. I'm going to ask you then right here, what is the difference between hope 
and preparation. I think the difference is that hope is, it can't be a plan. Man, I really hope this birth works out for me. I really hope that my provider, you know, it's so passive. Hope is, I'm not saying hope is a bad thing. I am a firm believer in hope and faith and all those things. But that, sometimes if you just rely solely on hope, there's a certain amount of passivity that comes with that. And I think the difference is women need to understand that um, if you want an amazing birth, you need to play an active role in preparing for that and combine it with that hope, you know, but don't, don't, well, I, was, I was on the hope train. My hope train crashed. You know, <laughs> I tried that. Yeah. You got to prepare. I think, I think what it comes down to is that, um, it's really your birth is not up to chance. It's up to you. Hey friend, we have something special just for you. We are so excited to offer a free live birth training. That's right. We will both be there and we want to see you there too. So head to myessentialbirth.com slash register and we'll see you in the training. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.